0: welcome to no romance without finance the show for women who know that while love don't cost a thing it also doesn't pay the bills i am your host patty Asai. the intention behind this podcast is to honor my mother due to her lack of financial independence she was stuck in a mentally abusive relationship and saw no way out and in the process she lost herself her self-esteem, and eventually her life. After her death, I made it my mission to do everything in my power to make sure not another woman suffers like my mother did because she can't support herself financially. So whether you're dating, married, somewhere outside, or in between, this show will give you tools and nuggets of knowledge that you can implement immediately, which will help you manage your money, grow your career, and create a fulfilling, independent life. Let's get into it and find out why there is no romance without finance. Welcome to No Romance Without Finance. Today we have a very special guest. And the reason I say she's special is because she has this amazing show that she's doing. Her name is Nicole Travolta, and she's based in Los Angeles. She's an actress. She's a comedian. And she recently debuted her one-woman show at the legendary Groundlings Theater in Los Angeles. Doing all right. I can't wait to see it. Both nights sold out in just days. The show was quickly picked up for additional dates at the Groundlings, May 8th, 9th, and 23. And it was also at the Dynasty Typewriter in early May. In August, she will perform at the legendary Edinburgh Festival Fringe. The show's director is Ground League's well-known main company member, Lauren Burns. The show is based on Nicole's life experiences growing up and adulting. Bad with money, but great with a spray gun. The show is a hilarious story about a compulsive shopper who freed herself from debt and shame with a spray tanning gun and some interesting clients. Nicole plans to expand the show to more theaters and cities in the coming months. Nicole, thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Oh, uh, Patty, thank you so much. Oh, wow. Hearing you re- read all that. I'm like, did I really do this?
0: <laughs> yes, you did. And a part of this is really teaching women to brag about themselves, right? Because we just don't brag enough. And And you're not the only one. Like, So many times when I read women's bios and, you know, most of my guests have been women, they're like, oh my God, you know, I can't believe I did all this. And we are about like making you brag about yourself because men do it all the time. And we're, we're, we're just going to celebrate you. So great job, Nicole, you're, you're killing it Uh, out there and we're going to let everyone know.
1: Patty, thank you. It's, it's true though. It's, it really is. I know we'll get into the bones of this, but. Uh, you know, that this really was like, it was very much doing a comedy and getting my story out there. But also, what really it has turned into is also. Empowering women to to speak up in their you know right. men have financial issues or whatever it may be and then mm-hmm. they get out of them and then they're labeled as a hero. Women are right. you know oversharing, problematic, crazy, right. labeled as right. all these different things. And I just I think it's it's so important that we speak and we speak loud, loudly and we're proud of ourselves. So
0: I'm on that team. Absolutely. Great. And, you know, I have not seen your show, although I will. That is uh, the next thing on my agenda. But so I know that you talk about your money problems and, you know, the struggles that you had with money. So why don't we start there? Can you tell us like where that came from?
1: Yeah, it goes so deep. You know, it goes all the way back to my grandmother, who I talk about this in my show, but she was actually a she was a horse racing bookie. Oh, wow. Yes. So my grandmother was a horse racing bookie. She got busted eventually. She didn't go to jail, but she did have to move in with my family and I. So mm-hmm. you know the the struggles stem all the way back from when my mom was a kid, and my grandmother would get her out of the house by sending her off to Rodeo Drive with cash. And you know if you get out of the house, get oh, wow. out of the house. Don't come back until tonight. Get out. You know, go spend money so she mm-hmm. can do this thing. And right. that really emulated into my life with my mom is that the way that she would, she loved, I mean, I, and I say this, she loves me deeply. This wasn't the only way, sure. but it very much was taught at childhood that you don't have to be honest about things. We'd go to the store. Don't tell your dad, you know, we, that was a big mm-hmm. through line. Don't, you know, we'll buy things. Right. Don't tell your dad. We'll buy things. Don't tell your dad. Financial
0: and, infidelity. That's what yes, that is. And
1: she got herself mm-hmm. in a lot of trouble. And then as Time went on and I started to get a little bit older. I started doing the same things, you know. It was erratic spending. I would book a commercial and blow all of my money on on things that I really believed at the time that I I wasn't enough for people to sort of mm-hmm. stick around with me and I felt the need to create this facade of what i thought people would want me to be and that included right. table service at nightclubs and Celine bags and mm-hmm. you know Christian Louboutin shoes and all this mm-hmm. stuff that meant absolutely nothing but really it was fueling me you know every anytime i was upset right. I, I had i had i turned 18 and i got every credit card that you could imagine to not just american express and visa and that but like home depot and Mm -hmm. (laughs) i don't need a home depot card like anywhere i could i was the consumer of if you sign up today you can save 10 percent, and i would be like oh oh yeah i gotta have that yeah you're you're
0: their wet dream everyone's like oh my god some sucker is gonna actually do it today
1: Wet dream. But it really stems from a lot of my life. I have, you know, I've had abandonment issues and I Mm -hmm. have had feeling like Nicole, Nicole herself is not enough. So this is the way that I feel I am enough. Then I got married and I had this over the top wedding when I was 25, 26, over Mm -hmm. the top. And then we got divorced. And it, th- my, right. my demise of our, you know, there was a lot of things that went on and why we maybe shouldn't have gotten married, but my issues were a lot of this past stuff that I wasn't honest about. He had right. no idea half the stuff I was doing and I, and it hurt people. And you just made, right. I made bad, so many bad decisions.
0: Yeah. You know, I really want to get into your marriage because that, you know, this is about finances and relationships. But before we do that, I'd like to talk a little bit about how we use money to make ourselves enough. And when I was younger, I did the same exact thing. I mean, I come from a very underserved background. I didn't have any money. I was broke, right? And the second that I got to college, there was everybody, they had all these tables set up. Giving you credit cards, right? Here here are all the credit cards. Just sign up, sign up. And like you, you know, I signed up for the Express one, for the Macy's one, for JCPenney. I mean, like whoever would give me a credit card, I signed up for that. And like you, I would buy, 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 and buy. And I didn't realize until later on that what I was doing is I felt like I wasn't good enough as a person. And when I went to college, I was around a lot of wealthy people. I mean, there were so many people whose cars were like the brand new BMW, you know, and here I am with my Renault Alliance or whatever I had. And I felt like I wasn't enough. So I, at that point, I was like, you know what? I'm sick of being the poor girl So I bought and bought and bought to put on a facade to make myself feel better. And that got me into so much trouble. But back then I didn't understand what I was doing. And even as an adult, I think it took a lot of work for me to understand why I'm buying all these fancy bags. What does it mean to me? What is it about me? That's not enough, right?
1: Patty, I could honestly, I'm probably going to start crying at some point throughout this podcast, but I, that is, it is so, God, it just means so much to me to be having this conversation with somebody that went through something so similar. I would never wish it upon anyone because I don't ever want anyone to feel that they aren't enough. But I am not kidding you. I moved back to Los Angeles because we lived in Florida for a bit. I moved back to Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. I booked a commercial. I walked into a BMW dealership and this salesman told me that if I drove this car, there's no way that I wouldn't be successful. And what did I do?
0: (laughs) You bought the damn car. car.
1: I bought that damn car. I bought the three series, YBMW wow. BMW yeah. sport, and I drove that feeling like this sense of empowerment. And yes. it's so true that I did the same exact thing as you. Mm-hmm. And I I felt like if that I was some sort of disappointment that I couldn't get it together right. enough. And at the time. You don't know any better, and I didn't have the tools. Right. You know, my dad, my exactly. parents are divorced. My dad was I—he was around, but he didn't live in the same area. My mom mm-hmm. had gotten herself into such trouble that when my parents got divorced, we ended up moving in with this guy who was verbally abusive and controlling. But wow. we didn't have any money, so we had nowhere to go. My mom had claimed bankruptcy. We didn't Shit. have a pot to piss in. And I didn't right. realize this at the time, but then I would act out because of him and my mom to kind of keep me, I don't want to say contained, but keep me sort of not making a scene, causing a scene. We'd go to the mall and she'd take mm-hmm. me to limited too and give me $150 that she didn't have to spend wow. so I wouldn't cause a scene. So we wouldn't end up on, on the streets of the of Florida because we didn't have any so money. So the guy wouldn't kick money. you
0: out? yeah. Because I think
1: she was concerned that if we let, we didn't have anywhere to go. And eventually she did get out of it and we did did find an apartment. And listen, I I make this very clear is that I have compassion for my mom because she also Mm -hmm. didn't know any better. And I do not fault her, you know, do I wish that things were different? Sure. But maybe I wouldn't be sitting in this position able to talk the way that I'm talking, or maybe I wouldn't Mm -hmm. be the person that I am today without all learning, going through all of this. So it's really wild. And it's something that people do not discuss because I really believe there is so much shame around this,
0: this issue. Right. And isn't it interesting how it's a learned behavior from our parents? The reason that I felt like I had to show out and act like, you know, I was something that I was not is something that I learned from my dad. So my dad grew up very poor. And when he grew up and was an adult, he was very successful in Iran. And then when we moved here, he couldn't get a job. So he was working construction but he always felt like he had to put on a facade. So I would hear my, my father, like we, we would have company and it was lie after lie after lie about the things that he's doing, about the money that he's making, about, you know, like he's doing this and that. And we knew that it was a lie. We knew it was complete bullshit, but he felt like he wasn't enough. Right. And then that's where we learned it from. And, you know, I don't want to speak for my brother, but definitely for me, that's where I got that from. And it's just such a learned behavior.
1: It is such a learned behavior and you retain all that. I mean, say literally Mm -hmm. Patty's same thing, is that we would walk into, so have you ever seen the movie, oh gosh, it's with Susan Sarandon and Natalie Portman and their mother-daughter. I can't remember the name of it, but there's this scene where they go into this house, they have no money, mm-hmm. they live in LA, and the, for fun, what they do is, is they go and they look at these really, they get ice cream and they go and they look at these very expensive homes in Beverly Hills and they go right. into the home and she lies. the mother lies about her,
0: mm-hmm.
1: her husband mm-hmm. being a doctor. My mom I used to do the same thing, but we would do it at stores. We'd go into Louis Vuitton and oh my, my mom would get into character. And it's like, I laugh now because it's yeah ridiculous, but she would be like, my husband is a doctor and you know, and you're just sitting there right. going like what, but you don't really realize that it's, it's affecting you.
0: Yeah. Cause your brain's a hard drive, right? So your yeah. brain's a hard drive and you're learning this behavior from your parents. So, Nicole, I'm really interested about your grandmother and, you know, just being a bookie is, is just so, so interesting in itself. But, you know, was she married or did she give financial advice to your mom in any way, shape or form? Or was she also a spender? Like, what was that relationship like?
1: She was. My grandmother was a a big spender. She had tons of cash because she was a horse racing bookie. But obviously, that didn't translate later in her life, her plans were very reflective of how things ended up for her later in life. But she was married. And then when she was divorced, she had lots of different boyfriends. The way that she learned to be taken care of was that you relied on a man. And she ingrained that into my mom as well. Find a man to take care of you. You'll find a man to take care of you. And that is essentially what, what my mom did. And that's you know, how when my parents got divorced, my mom couldn't hack it for a while on her own. And then Mm -hmm. we lived with this guy who was not a good guy. And because we didn't have any money, when finally things erupted and we got out of there, my mom always says one of her proudest moments was after that time, because that was like the first place that she was able to get on her own.
0: Oh my gosh. And that
1: was, I want to say when she was in her 40s. And so she was able to get a, her first apartment on her own and get a car, but she still needed a co-signer. But all these things, then, you know, it, it gave her some empowerment that she was able to start standing on her own two feet. It just took right the whole bottom falling off the earth for her right. to get there.
0: I think like your your grandmother and a lot of women that tell their kids, find a man to take care of you. That's half the equation then what happens if the man's gone? Yep. (laughs) Then what? There's no plan B, right? Just find a man that's going to take care of you. You're going to be good for the rest of your life. But we don't even think about, well, okay, what if this relationship doesn't work out? What if he passes away? God, forbid. You, you know what I mean? We don't think past that. And that's what we're teaching our daughters is that, you know, a man is there to take care of you, but then we don't talk about the ramifications of what if he's not there?
1: Exactly. And I also will say that when I got married and I felt this fear surrounding marriage is that my mom actually did the opposite. Now, I didn't get good financial teachings, but she did tell me, never rely on a man to take care of you. So she did want that the opposite for me. She never wanted me to rely on a man to take care of me. I think I was so in fear of also getting married and because I was also in all this financial trouble having someone tell me what I can and can't do scared me as well. Right. So there's all these different components that went into it but if I really if I think back to it and I think about my younger self and what my parents went or my mom and my grandma is that I just I sometimes wish I could give my my younger self the biggest hug and tell her that you are, in fact, you are very, very enough and that you, you Mm -hmm. are strong. I'm going to start crying and you are resilient because you don't really feel like anyone ever really tells you that, you know, that you're enough. Right. And they just sort of, yes. You know, you go through life trying to pick up the pieces and then you don't, Mm -hmm. and then it all sort of erupts. So it's a wild ride.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yes. 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 So What happened during your marriage? Talk a little bit about that.
1: So I met my ex when I was very, very young. And Mm -hmm. it's interesting because when I met him, he was such a, so different than the people that I had been with, like in high school. I was, I was very, Mm -hmm. I was off my rocker in high school. We lived in, we moved to Mm -hmm. Orlando at that time and lived there for, I lived there for high school and that it was a very tumultuous high school experience and Then I met my ex after after high school and he grew up in a good family. And it was interesting because he felt like I was like so I had done so much already. Like I was acting as though I mm-hmm. was an adult in high school. Right. And by the time I met him, I was like a breath of fresh air. Ultimately, we were together for t- almost 10 years when I when we got married. Wow. And, you know, the the whole thing, it was, to be completely honest with you, I never really knew if I wanted to get married. Marriage scared me.
0: So why'd you get married?
1: Because I felt like that's what I was supposed to do. And honestly, mm-hmm. I felt like when he proposed, a lot of people around me were Getting engaged, and I think that there was this element of the glitz and glamour. I had an insanely beautiful, tw- almost twenty thousand dollar engagement ring.
0: Wow! Oh my gosh! Yes, nice. it,
1: I had a massive wedding at the Viviana downtown. It was over mm-hmm. the
0: top. Where did you get money for the wedding? By the way, I mean, I think people would be curious.
1: We paid for some of it, which got me mm-hmm. into more trouble, and then my parents. Put into a pot. But it got so over the top and truly... I I don't want to knock on marriage and be like, oh, marriage and be that person. Mm -hmm. But it was Mm -hmm. so about the wedding, Patty. It was so Mm -hmm. about the wedding. I could not handle the entire night of that wedding. It was so overwhelming to me. I Mm -hmm. was clinging to my dad for dear life, like in tears. It was beautifully emotional. Like I think people were like, oh my God, her and her dad. But I really think I was terrified.
0: What were you terrified about?
1: I was just terrified that I was going to lose my identity or also that probably I mm-hmm. was not being honest about my fight. Like I was just, I was living almost like a double life. I had all this debt and I wasn't honest with mm-hmm. my ex about it.
0: So he didn't know.
1: He didn't know about all of it. No, he ran a wow. credit check on
0: me. Okay. So did he run the credit check before or after you got married? After. Okay. This is where we need to stop because (laughs) this is what I've been preaching is that most people don't even talk about finances until after they get married because it's such a taboo topic, right? Like, oh, I don't want to ask. I I remember my friend was engaged and she was like, I go, how much money does he make? She's like, I don't know. I'm like, what do you mean? You don't know. You're about to marry this dude, right? And, you know, I always say you need to ask what the person's credit score is, How much debt do they have? How much savings do they have? Do your financial goals align? Because finances are one of the top reasons that people get a divorce, right? And there you go. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it happened very quickly. We started not being okay. I was working on a show. That show got canceled. His Mm -hmm. career, his job wasn't exactly doing amazing. And it was starting to implode. There was other things that were happening. And I was a hot mess. And mm-hmm. it suddenly, it was like the fun the, 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 because essentially I felt like we were playing house together that then right. we didn't know how to handle all this stuff. And it just, it was so, it became so toxic and I fully, there are so many things that I think go into this, but for me, I'm not going to speak on his behalf, but I can tell you very honestly that I know what I did that you shouldn't do when you're married, you know, you should be honest and, but I needed help. Like it took me years to get to where I am now.
0: He runs the credit check. What happens? I want to go back. So he runs the credit check. And then what happens after that?
1: He runs the credit check on me. We got into it at a party.
0: And was he like, holy shit. You didn't tell me, you know, about your financial situation. Is that what he was saying?
1: And he knew about some of it. So he knew about some of it, but not Mm -hmm. the extent of it. And admittedly, when he approached me about it, I still wasn't honest. I still was like, that's not me. Mm -mm, That's not me. Nothing to see here. Oh, truly. Like I would have said if it could, like someone stole my credit card. Like anything to <laughs> not have to be honest about it, Right. So, you know, all of that, That it was so quick after the wedding. I mean, we got married and then we got separated and then we were got divorced. But I started to realize that, you know, the whole thing, my whole relationship, I feel like with him for me was, I was like, were we ever really happy or were we just mm-hmm. trying to keep up with. The fact that we were the fun couple, and when I got out of it, i, I mean, I—I I, I will always have a place for him in my heart. But it—but it's, yeah. it, I really started to look at it, and when I started to do this deep work on myself. I started Mm -hmm. to realize so much that was wrong and so many red flags before, like we shouldn't have been getting married, but society do the thing. We had been together 10 years. So have the big wedding, throw the big party because that's what it felt like it was about. And then when that was over, Mm -hmm. that night of the wedding, when we got back to our hotel room in my dress, I like went into the bathroom, shut the door and I started crying because the wedding was over. Now what? What? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I I look at it now and I'm like I I I see so many things that I would have done differently and I wish that I I wish that I could and I had because it would have saved us a lot of money and heartache.
0: What were some of the red flags, Nicole?
1: We would argue about when I I felt like when things weren't fun and happy, we just weren't mm-hmm. good. So that to me was a red flag in the way of I, life is so long, we go through many Mm -hmm. different things in our life that that probably wouldn't have been the worst thing, you know, maybe, Mm -hmm. but how do we sustain a relationship together forever when one, I'm not being honest and I didn't feel like I could Mm -hmm. be honest. I was living in fear. I was living with heaps Mm -hmm. of anxiety. I didn't know how to speak up or tell him, what I needed, like, and these are for me again. I don't want to speak on his behalf, but sure. I felt like I couldn't be honest in my relationship, and I was so consumed with this facade that I was living mm-hmm. that I never and and just the things leading up of 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 the 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 fighting, and then we'd be okay, but we would be okay with like taking a trip somewhere or shoving it under the rug. Like we never dealt with the issues. Money had come up before and money was our biggest issues, but we never dealt with it. And then we got married and then we dealt with it.
0: And then we got divorced. Exactly. Exactly. This podcast is brought to you by citizens of sound. They're the ones who make my podcast sound and look legit and not like I recorded it in my closet. They've held my hand every step of the way and help me from A to Z. They are amazing. If you're even thinking about doing a podcast, they're the ones to call. Their contact is in my podcast description. Now back to the podcast. After the divorce, what work did you do on yourself? And what are some of the things that you reflect on? And you're like, my gosh, I should have done this differently.
1: I immediately started going to therapy and I... I started getting honest, really honest about my life and started really Mm -hmm. doing this work on myself. And I realized that a lot of my issues were coming from not feeling like I have ever been enough. Mm -hmm. And then combining a relationship with somebody that you don't feel like you're enough and then you're asking someone to grow with you you know, is not fair. Yes. It's not fair to him. It wasn't a fair to right. me. I felt like I had, you know, hurt myself, but hurt other people in the process, you know, doing, you know, with, with mm-hmm. my decisions. And then I started looking at, you know, mm-hmm. when we got deeper about my mom and my family, and then I started going, you know, when, when all this started happening, people in, in my life immediately started going, well, she's just like her mom. So this makes sense. Ooh. And I was so Ouch. devastated because my mom made me say, that's what you label her. This is what's going on in the back sure. of your head. And then I felt so right. much shame and so alone. I never felt like the victim. I'm not a, I don't feel like a victim Good. of this. I made these decisions. But to Good. me, it was, how am I going to get out of this? What am I going to do? and i was acting and i had you know this this life that i thought i thought i was about to book a t- tv show everything was going so well and then mm-hmm. it wasn't right. and i was in such financial trouble and then i was alone and i didn't have anybody right. so right. i had to figure out what to do and mm-hmm. i the show that i was working on was canceled i was so depressed i wasn't ma- i wasn't booking jobs i was a hot mess and right. that's when I, my friend owns this spray tanning company and I mm-hmm. actually went in to get a tan because I was going to a wedding. And again, I wasn't out of my cloud and I like wanted to make sure that at this wedding, I looked really good because I didn't want people to look tanned.
0: I was... You wanted to yeah. look tanned.
1: I wanted to look amazing <laughs> so I could keep living my, right. and so I went in and I, it's such a disaster and she offered me a job and I was like. No, because I was an actor and I felt right. like right. this was my pride. But then I I took the job and it saved my life. The job wow. and me coming to my knees and getting rid of all the stuff. Of course, do I still love a great bag? Of course I do. <laughs> like mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. women yes. do. Yes. Do I still yes. want to be able to go and do nice things? Of course I do. But, mm-hmm. but it meant so much, Patty, like those things. And even in my relationship, my, my ex and I would make deals with each other. Like if you do the dishes, not the dishes, but this is very low mm-hmm. bar, but I'm just, for right. Example. right. If you do mm-hmm. this, I'll buy you those Louboutins. If you do this, I'll get you that Celine wow. bag. So wow. it's it, so the job really, this wow. job really helped me become my own person.
0: And how did it do that?
1: First of all, financially, I was able to get out of my debt. I actually ended up mm-hmm. enrolling myself into a debt consolidation company. I got out of it. So th- the number one, mm-hmm. I was able to consolidate everything and get out of the debt. Two, it made me feel like there, of course, wasn't what I wanted to be doing, but it almost, Mm -hmm. it made me feel as though I could get through anything. Like I was Mm -hmm. able to get in this job, get my finances under control. And then I started being able to live. And instead of going to the mall, I was able to have life experiences and Mm -hmm. remembered the things that I really loved back when I was younger, like music and 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 going to shows and being with friends and and doing these like life experiences as opposed right. to shopping and i started getting smart about my finances but most importantly i started to love myself and i started mm-hmm. to be able to open up fully as a human being and mm-hmm. i got to know nicole without Uh, without the the marriage, without this stuff, without this facade. And I started having a voice. And that's Mm -hmm. really also what got me to this point in my career where I'm at now was being able to peel back so many layers of myself and feel free. You
0: know, how did you become financially smart? I know that you said you enrolled in the debt consolidation, but there's a lot, there are a lot of people out there that have the same issues, right? That are in debt. And it would be really beneficial if they could hear how you got yourself to be financially smart.
1: Let me put it this way I believe that this is, I work on this. We're very much a work in progress every day. So Mm -hmm. I always want to say that first. Like, I haven't figured it out totally, but. (laughs) I okay. started doing things in pieces of, I used to go to the store and buy $300 face cream for what? you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. My gosh. You know? Me too, by the way. That's why I can relate to that. I was broke yes. with, with $300 face cream.
1: And a Celine bag. You you would walk in. A friend yep. of mine once told me that she thought when she first met me, I was a millionaire. And I had no money. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. Yes. Like, that yes, I was putting yes. on this whole thing. I just for me, it started coming down to even the little things of I didn't have a savings account, you know, for myself. Mm-hmm. So saving mm-hmm. my money, looking at my finances, can I afford to buy this? shirt? Can I afford to go on this trip? Can I afford to go out to this dinner? Or if I did all this stuff this week, can Mm -hmm. what am I not doing this week? Do you know what I mean? As opposed Mm -hmm. to I was literally saying I would do anything I wanted. And as now it's really looking and fine tuning and If you're overspending in one area, then how can you trim in another area? Or Mm -hmm. I'm a huge music festival person. It's my, I say it's my guilty pleasure that I'm not so guilty about, Mm but it's a bit of an expensive weekend. So leading up to that, what are you doing to not to, you know, you might have to say no to some things and you can't go Mm -hmm. everywhere with everyone. And it's really being realistic about where you are in your life.
0: Right. Okay. That, that, that's really great. And I think, and I think, you know, people can do it the way that you did, but that takes a lot of willpower, right? That takes a lot of willpower to do that because you're breaking a lifelong cycle. Yes. And so therapy definitely helps. And you know, one, one nugget I want to give out to people is what really started to be the game changer for me is I started writing down everything I was buying. Everything, yes, whatever. And back then we didn't have cell phones, so I would carry on a little notepad. and every yeah. time I bought something, I would write it down. And at the end of the week, I would look at all the stuff that I had bought. I'd be like, "Oh my gosh, what are the what are the things that I didn't really need?" And I started cutting those out. That's what I did. Yeah, and the act of writing something down, It's basically you're telling on yourself the act of having to write down that I'm spending $300 on a fucking cream for my face when, you know, I'm 22 or 23 and I don't have to do that. Just that act made me very conscious of the money that I was spending. So I think that for people out there listening, I think if you just start there, you will start to understand all the frivolous spending that you're having.
1: I totally agree with you. I also no more credit cards as far as like i don't have yes. there's none of that anymore so i want to make that clear too yes. is that what you're saying it takes a lot of willpower and it takes a lot of work on yourself but i do think that all of those things of you're spending cash your debit card not credit cards mm-hmm. is also a big is right. a big thing you know yes, and absolutely. That, that to me has been a game changer because i had them all
0: Yes. But again, yes. I
1: believe that there's a work it's, it takes work. It's not a wake up one day and you're, you're good. You're a fine. It's, it's sure. a real, it's a real work and it's an addiction.
0: It's absolutely an addiction. And because you get a high every time you buy something. And I've always said, I hate to shop. And people laugh when I say, I hate to shop. I hate to shop, but I love to buy. Right. <laughs> there's a difference. Like I hate, Walking around the store, looking at stuff, like sifting through things, like that drives me nuts. But the high that I get when I buy something, when I can, you know, put that $6,000 purse on the counter and say, boom, I wanna buy it, that high is what I lived off of. And like you, I had to do a lot of work with myself. And I think people should understand that it starts with therapy, it really starts with working on yourself to understand why you're doing these things in order to be able to stop. Because once you understand why, then you can start intellectualizing a, l- a little bit better.
1: It's really true. My whole show is, is really about this. And the craziest thing for me has been after I will get message from messages from people that I don't even know men and women talking to mm-hmm. me about how no one talks about these issues mm-hmm. that right. it brought them to their knees. It made them look at, Issues in their own life. And you know, this comedy, this this thing that I, I so deeply wanted to do has turned into such a labor of love for me. Mm-hmm. And I I do it is so important. The therapy to me was the game changer because it forced me to be honest, it forced me to right. look deeper. And it forced me to start doing things that I that I never had done before. And enrolling in that debt consolidation program for me was a big deal because mm-hmm. every month I was working towards getting myself out of this situation, and I had to be so right. I had to learn to be careful surrounding mm-hmm. my finances. You know, and right. I, again, it's 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 not a. I got out of it so I'm good. You're good to go. You have to work at it and yes. really watch yourself and it's hard sometimes when there's people around you that make more money or they're doing all these mm-hmm. things that you wish mm-hmm. that you could so badly be a part of but you, mm-hmm. can't. you can't. You can't do it. No.
0: And as you get around people that make more money, you're making more money, right? So I remember when I was making $30,000 a year, right? Now I'm, I make, you know, significantly more than that and I'm financially secure, but I'm always looking at the people that are making more money than me. Look at all the stuff that they have. Look at, you know, I I only have three Birkins and she's got seven. So it's never (laughs) enough,
1: you know, it's
0: never it really, it's, it's never enough. And this year, you know, I've gotten my spending under control. Like I have zero debt except, you know, for my mortgage really, um, but Good after that, you. yeah, I've, I've, yeah. And I've had, <laughs> yes, finally. And I finally got out of my student loan debt at the age of 50. I had $160,000 worth of student loans coming out. So that, that was a complete nightmare. But even now that, you know, I'm very financially secure, luckily I, you know, I do very well. I decided that this year I'm not going to buy anything that I don't absolutely need. I'm going a year of a fast for clothing, jewelry, purses, whatever. And I'm telling you that it's been so liberating because, you know, you're addicted to the high of buying, right? And what what that means is every time something popped up on, you know, social media, I would look, "Oh, there's a sale on Farfetch. There's a sale here. Oh, do they have this shirt?" I mean, there I was spending so much time doing that. And when I stopped, I what I stopped doing that is I unsubscribed to everything. I don't get any emails from anything. I went to all my settings and social media and tried to limit how many ads that I get. And so it's not always constantly in my face. Yeah. In the beginning, it was hard because it is an addiction. I'm used to the dopamine, right? But now I feel so much better to wear Nicole. I swear, I don't even have the desire to buy anything. It's so weird. Like I'll go it's- into a store and I have an aversion to even buying anything.
1: It's so crazy because I just, I relate to you so much. I want experiences. I want to, I want to laugh and and I know that maybe it sounds cheesy. I don't know. I don't even care.
0: No, it doesn't. Yeah.
1: I want to live. I want to, I want to, I don't care anymore about the stuff and it, the stuff, it, it just got me into so much trouble. So yes. much trouble, and that feeling of sometimes where I, my mom and I joke. I, I mean, I love a mall, like a, the Century City Mall out here, <laughs> because there's. But I, but I'll Beautiful. tell you what, what, it's turned into is more like I love to get a coffee and 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 yeah. walk and and I go into yes. these places and I live in the same outfit. I'm literally wearing right now sweatpants mm-hmm. and like this little crop shirt. I don't need nine thousand things. That yes. mean nothing. And I just, I feel so as Nicole for myself, mm-hmm. I'm a work in progress. I'm a big work in progress.
0: We all are. Yes, yes,
1: because we're learning. And if you're not learning and you're not growing, and like if I didn't grow from the mistakes I made, mm-hmm. I, I just, I I, I hope it, it encourages people to just keep learning about yourself and just keep being, keep being curious about you and, and, and my voice is so much stronger. And I'm so proud of that because I didn't have that before. And that stuff, that feeling of bringing in a, I'm telling you that $300 face cream, how many times I did Mm -hmm. that. And I was the same age, 22 Mm -hmm. years old. And I felt so this was going to be the thing that yes. made me the person that I needed to be. Yes.
0: Yes. Yes. I would go into Barney's and buy the face cream and I had no business being in Barney's. Like yes! none. <laughs> Zero.
1: Dream. <laughs> I'd go in and try on the Chanel shoes and lie. Put right. Put them on hold. Right. I'll be back to get them. Yeah. And then I'd <laughs> buy an too. eyeshadow. You know?
0: Yes. Oh my God. And pretend I could afford that shit when I really couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. And and, you know, the fact that you and I have gone through it tells me that there's so many people out there that are doing the same thing that are going through the same thing. And, you know, I want them to understand that you can take control of your life. You can take back any addiction around shopping or spending you can eventually become financially stable and financially responsible you're just going to have to take the steps to do it and be honest with yourself because really you're not even honest with yourself so how could you be honest with other people
1: exactly exactly i also think yeah. that it's so important there's so much shame from mm-hmm. people and the outside people don't get it they and right. i i just want to say that there are people that do get it. And right. you just have to get, you just like you said, you have to be honest with yourself and to work out that shameful feelings. And that's why I think therapy is so important because I mm-hmm. really felt like there was something deeply wrong with me. Like everyone kept telling me that something was wrong with me. You right. got problems, right. Nicole. You got problems. Right. And it, it, you start to lose your mind. And mm-hmm. I, it, it's really, it's really hard to to come to your sure. knees and go, okay, you know what, you got to stop the noise, and you have to take care of you. Don't rely on mm-hmm. someone else to do it. Don't look to someone else to tell you that you're good enough or that you're not. Ch- you know, you got to do it yourself. And I swear to God, the second you do, it's the best and most freest feeling in the world all while knowing that not walking around and saying that was the past and I'm good. Now you're a work mm-hmm. in progress every day.
0: Yeah. Once a shopaholic, always a shopaholic. <laughs> same, same thing as being an alcoholic. It
1: doesn't go away. Yeah. Those you, pretty shiny no, stores go don't go away. It doesn't go away. No,
0: they do not. And I think that that's something that people really need to consider. Nicole, thank you so much. This was so much fun. I am so happy that you were on. I really felt like, you know, I I was able to connect with you and I I went through, you know, all the stuff that, that you did, although a decade earlier than you, but you know, it's, it's really the same. And thank you for sharing all your knowledge with our listeners. So can you tell them where they can find you? Yes. And thank you, Patty,
1: so much. I have not felt connected like this to someone who has gone through something similar. So I thank you for doing this and for putting this out there. And I'm I'm honored to be a guest on your show. So you can find me at Nicole Travolta on Instagram and on TikTok. And my show Doing All Right again is going to actually be back at Dynasty Typewriter on June 25th at 4 p.m. And then we're going to Edinburgh fringe in August. And then I think we'll be back here in September. So please check it out. You can find it on my website too, at Nicole com. But I I would love for all of you to come and see it.
0: Absolutely. You guys go see her show. I'm going to see her show. And I can't wait to see you after the show when I'm there. Thank you everyone for listening. We are off and never forget that a man is not a financial plan.